Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you for the next couple of hours. Glad you're with us for whatever portion of the program you can stay with us. We're grateful for that. If you have to duck out, you want to make sure that you hear a guest that might not fit your schedule, you can always go to KXNO.com and click the podcast link. Coming up this morning, we will talk to Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert. We'll do Iowa State with Alex. Busy, uh, lots of news, both football and basketball-related coming out of Ames yesterday. Of course, spring football is underway. The media had the first opportunity to talk to Matt Campbell, actually watch the... Uh, the practice yesterday, basketball-wise, as we know, he just heard Trent's update. Cam Lard is transferred. Prom has been extended. So lots of ground to cover with Alex Halstead. It's Wednesday. That means Cappy is here. David Kaplan brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We'll do a lot on the Cubs. We'll do some... Oh, NCAA, I'm assuming, with Cappy as well. Uh, that's coming up at about 10.45-ish in the 11 o'clock hour. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He spent the weekend uh, covering the Columbus uh, t- uh, the tournament that took place in Columbus, the t- Columbus portion of it. We'll do some football with Bill nationally, college football. And then Mark Morehouse slides in at 11.35. Uh, speaking of press conferences, Ferentz met the media yesterday and spring practice is underway there. Depth chart has been released. We anticipate there'll be some changes between now and August, but nonetheless, nice to have depth charts. Trent spent the night watching Iowa State hockey. <laughs> Hello. I want to be more like ever. you. Yeah, Iowa State hockey. Did you click on the link I, I sent did. you? I, I did. did. Yeah. I watched the final uh, three minutes of the hockey game. It was 2-1 for uh, Minot State, right? Yes, the, the Beavers. Is that who they are? They're the Beavers. Um, so I, I did watch the final. There's like one camera, right? Yeah, they they yeah. park one camera, but maybe just above the They did have another glass. one in the corner that I saw them did cut they? to from time to time. I thought the play-by-play guy was good, though. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. he was okay. It was, it was different. I'm glad I watched it. Club hockey championship. Boy, we miss college basketball around here, huh? Uh, we certainly do. Although, you know what? I watched the Knit last night, and they were both, neither one of them was. Well, look, the the late game, mm-hmm. uh, TCU was trailed was like 33-30 at halftime. Yep. And Creighton um, and TCU trailing, and then came out and scored like the first 13 points of the second. Boy, McDermott had them ready to go when they came out for that second half, didn't they? Never scored a basket. My God. Uh, so I, I tried to watch it, but you're right, Trent. It's that week, right? Mm-hmm. It's Opening days tomorrow, and we'll get all excited about uh, opening day in baseball. And you and I legitimately will. This, yes. this isn't a stretch. We will watch and because uh, we're we're baseball fans. Uh, so Cappy's coming up at ten forty-five. But you're right; it was a different night last night. No hockey game moved my needle. It was all Eastern Conference for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm grateful you for you to um, give you something. Yeah, I, I watched it. It was two one. Right, it was for the championship. My other suggestion for you last night was to flip it to two forty-five. TNT for Bucks Rockets. Did I you did know? not. No, I didn't watch any NBA. I watched most of the third quarter, and yeah. then I remembered again how much I hate watching James Harden play basketball. Why? Because he's such a, a me me um, it's, here. No, it's, it's not even that. I, I can handle team. guys like that. It's just his style of play. It is visually frustrating to watch the jumping into guys. There was one play. I'm with you there, man. They were taking ball out of bounds underneath their hoop. He shoves off the defender. Gets open. Guy comes back, defends him. He pushes off again to get open for a three. The guy puts a hand up, 
and he jumps into him and gets three free throws. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't enjoy his style of bat. I know he's an incredible player. I know mm-hmm. he's putting up points that we haven't seen since Michael Jordan in 1987. I get all that. It's just not aesthetically pleasing. don't need pleasing. to do that. I'm with you, Trent. I, I, that's why I've always had a problem with, I hate to say the kid's name all the time. I'm not going to. He used to play for Iowa. Now he's in in uh, Europe. He's a really good player, Aaron White. Um, <laughs> and he didn't need to do that. He's, why did that bother you? So because that, the same way James Harden bothers you. J- James Harden, though, is one of the best three players. Aaron White, though he's a great athlete. He was a great hawk. He was a great basketball player for yeah. Iowa. Yeah. But he still had some limitations. I mean, he was a guy that outside of the last 10 games of his career couldn't shoot it. He got to cut cut some corners from time to time. I guess. Yeah, and he did. Did Every you hate Jeff Settles? Because he's admitted as much here on these airways. Oh, no, he did. Uh, no, I didn't hate Jeff Settles. I never saw enough of him play because he was injured so much. Um, no, I didn't hate Jeff Settles' game. Guys like that, it doesn't bother me. Maybe because I had my own limitations and... and Cutting a few corners from mm-hmm. here and there and trying to, to close that gap. I'm fine with it. I was fine with Aaron White doing it. I'm not fine with James Harden doing it, though. Yeah. Well, I didn't watch it last night, and you did remind me about that last night. It never even crossed my mind. So did uh, Kenny the Jet and Barkley do their thing last night? They didn't get the night off, did they? I didn't there? Didn't even stick around gotcha. in between games. I, I flipped on the Lakers-Wizards for, I don't know, probably five minutes. Why? Five minutes, yeah. just flipping around, kind of going through the channels. And, and that was about enough of that, but I did see a great play. Out of, uh, oh, what's his name? The goofball. Lance Stevenson. Crossed a guy over and made him fall on his butt. Uh, yeah. So that was good. That, that was the highlight of the night. Uh, highlight of the night for me, sports-wise, I watched the uh, press conference on the NFL Network, uh, the rules changes, uh-huh. um, with uh, Rich McKay Jr. Rich McKay, right? You know, his, his dad was the, he ran the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, for years. Um, Troy Vincent, the head of the Players Association, Rogers Goodell. Trent, the rule change, um, you know, hats off to them for doing that because they are not, the, the, this isn't an organization that embraces change, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And apparently throughout the day, it didn't look as though the rule was ever even going to see the light of day, but they finally got it to a point where they f- figured that they had something they could present to the ownership committee, went in front of all 32 teams. It was a 31 to 1 vote. As your update said, it's only a one-year deal. But it's going to be interesting because now you can actually challenge a non-call and get them to drop a flag on the field, and that has never happened uh, in the NFL before. So, and, and somebody brought this up, and I think it's a legitimate point, and we'll get into Iowa and Iowa State in a second, but I want to get this in here now. Uh, end, end of a football game, only one option. Click, uh, there, you got one play left. And Drew Tate doesn't know the clock is running. Um, you're going to throw the ball into the end zone, a Hail Mary type of play, right? And what happens there? Because you know damn well. Yes. Uh, there's something going on in the end zone. There's guys right, being right. pushed around, whether it's offense or defense. And how are they going to react to a Hail Mary play? It should be the same as they call every other, you know, a one-on-one situation. But will they? They about have to, right? I think they have to now. And I can't remember who it was, but it was a former defensive back yesterday. And I saw him talking about it and said... They're going to go back and review plays. They're going to find more offensive pass interference, and they're going to find defensive pass Probably interference. Probably so. Probably so. And you're going to see cornerbacks pointing over and saying, hey, this guy pushed off. We need to throw yeah. the flag here. You still only get two challenges, which is which is going to make coaches think a little bit. Do you right. Know, do I want to die on the hill of that one yard? Uh, you know, I got shortchanged by a yard. Or do, you, or do you keep that in your hip pocket knowing that, you know, a P.I.? Because let's be honest with you, it, it's the most punishing penalty in the NFL, just yard-wise. I mean, these things, as you know, it's not college football. In the NFL, mm-hmm. it's a spot foul. 
So um, I was fascinated by it. I was. I'm glad I watched it. My buddy Leon Emmons, Mister Executive, who is sponsoring your trip to yes. the Final Four, texted me last night and said, "Flip on the NFL Network at seven o'clock. The press conference is about to start." And I appreciate the heads up. All right, so let's start in Ames. We'll get to Iowa City again. Mark Morehouse at eleven thirty-five. Alex Halstead in about ten minutes or so. Boy, a lot of a lot of Ames news yesterday. There was Both football uh, and basketball. No depth chart from Iowa State, and I get it that they're really not worth the paper that they're printed on. But mm-hmm. it gives us something to uh, to sink our teeth into. And if I was to guess, you know, somebody was to say to me, "Well, what school put out a depth chart for football?" Well, it's Iowa State. I mean, they're media friendly. They want to get as much out there as they possibly can. Um, no, it wasn't the case. It was uh, it was Iowa that gave us the depth chart, and there's some interesting uh, names on it, and there's certainly going to be a whole bunch of position battles. But look, it's spring football. I know it doesn't move everybody's needle, but it does the hosts in here, and damn it, we have the microphones in front of us. It's, we uh, get to decide. It's an exciting time, and yeah, you can pull plenty of things off here. One of the first things that, that jumped out for the Iowa depth chart was the lack of depth they have at defensive end. Mm-hmm. With the loss of Anthony Nelson a year early. Yep. With Parker Hesse moving yeah. on after his graduation. Boy, what a career he had, Trent. What a career he and, had. And you're excited about the first two guys. Chauncey Golson, who, as a full-timer. Flash last year. Yes, absolutely. A playmaker, guy that mm-hmm. can make plays. And, of course, A.J. Epinesa that goes without saying. The backups... Two Central Iowa kids. Yeah, John Wagoner's finally, we're going to see him on the field, at least you would think, right? As a redshirt freshman and this year. And who's the other one? Oh, the kid from Pella, right? No. No? Nathan Nelson. Oh, son. A son. Brother <laughs> yes. of Anthony. He, uh, not as big, not as tall right? as Anthony. So six, you two, saw six, him three. play. I did, yeah. Let me give us a scouting report. I really liked him on the football. He wasn't as good of a basketball player as okay. Anthony was. Yeah. But... At times, he might have been a better football player. Now, really? He doesn't have the measurables. He's not 6'7". He's yeah. more probably 6'2". Mm-hmm. And because of that... So is he a move-inside candidate or not big enough? I don't think he's got the frame for that. Okay. I, I think he's going to be an outside guy throughout his career. But I, that was probably, of all the names on there, I think that might have been the most shocking because it's a name just didn't even think about at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, well, they only have three scholarship guys. He was not even a scholarship player. Nathan Nelson's a walk-on, unlike Anthony. He impacted the game, I think, at a higher level at the high school level, but it's a big transformation. And as we talk about the NFL draft coming up, and it's all about you know measurables and things like that, Anthony always had the measurables. Nathan, not so much. But that was a huge surprise there. They're going to need guys that are going to be able to help out outside. And we've seen Iowa, as, as they evolved up front with their front four, it's about playing six, seven, eight guys. I don't think they got six, seven, eight guys right now. No, and the Raider Packers were they're all standing up at the line of scrimmage. That was uh, that was a problem last year for opposing teams, uh, no doubt about that. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Ames and let's start with the Cam Lard news, the basketball news. The prom stuff broke when we were on the air yesterday, so we opined on that, and no and no surprise, you could see that one coming. Uh, as apparently there was some interest on Alabama's part, and I think Steve Prom truly wants to be here. I do, I do mm-hmm. believe that. Um, Cam Lard, it's no surprise. We all anticipated that this was going to be the case after the season came to an end. We were both surprised uh, that after the West Virginia game that he saw the floor again. Uh, he did miss the final regular season game. Uh, he was, you know, he didn't play a minute, but once the tur- the Big 12 tournament rolled back around, uh, he was able to get some minutes. And, and you know, to be honest, I thought he was the uh, um, one of the best Cyclones on the floor in the Ohio State loss. I really did. He was. He brought. You know, he brought them six eight, two hundred and whatever pounds he is. Um, 
and he, and he played well in his final game. But it was just something that seemed like it was going to be inevitable. So here we go. Uh, and how many more shoes are going to drop from that roster? What's what's Horton Tucker going to do? He's certainly going to uh, explore, you would think. We know mm-hmm. Wigington is going to do that, if I had to guess. Uh, I don't think Halliburton will. I don't think so either. Though he's been bandied about, and I, I know people, speaking of measurables, really like what he can mm-hmm. be. At the next level. It doesn't hurt for him to do it. I'm just right. not sure. You know, maybe he will. And I think there there is a limit or a cap on the number of guys that can go through. I want to say it's three or four from each team can do that. So Well there'd be only that would be the only four that would do it. And if that if it's three, I mean well, does it come hard. down to the coach's decision? Does somebody lose eligibility? I can't remember exactly. I'll have to read up on that rule again and remember exactly what it is. But uh, see, I, I, I didn't know that aspect of it. And like you this said, though, news to me. it doesn't hurt. No, nothing to lose. It is like going through an internship. Right. And you get, you get a report card at the end of it. Yes. Here's what we think you need to do. Well, that's good advice because those are the people that you need to impress at the next level. And from the guys that have taken this the next season and impacted the game and, and done those things, you see that show out. And for the other guys that go through the process and say, whoa, I'm a long ways away. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Moss a year ago. Right. I mean, he didn't even get a he didn't get a shot with anybody. I mean, no. he'd, And I think that's an eye-opening for guys, too. And that could be a good thing, too, for players in understanding just how far away and how big of a leap it is to get to that level. You know, this springtime period, it has changed so much in the importance. You have this part where guys can go in. You can go in multiple times now and put your name in the NBA draft. You couple with the transfer market that is already over three hundred and seventy-five. I thought I saw three seventy-five already. We haven't hit April. No, <laughs> that number is going to double easily. It was over seven hundred last year. I think going to probably approach that number again this season. And on average, two players from each program are looking to move. Is that what it is now? That's three hundred fifty teams. There you go. It's over seven hundred. I can do that, Matt. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> It's uh, springtime a lot different in terms of, of college basketball and how long this extends. And then the deadline period, what is like right at the end of May, mm-hmm. when they have to make their decision if they're they're going or staying w- with their college program. So you got that, which is good for us, right? More things Hell to yeah, talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Extend this thing out. Speaking of good for us, it looks like it's going to be real good for us because the Hoiberg thing is is... I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, Bill Moose, I saw some of the, the, the press from uh, his availability yesterday. Uh, Tim Miles. They should, you know what? Uh, who said? Joe Quinn we had on yesterday. He, <laughs> Joe Quinn was right. They should have let him go after the, after the end of the regular season or after the, at the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> when the Big Ten tournament is over, who, who cares about the NIT? Right. I mean, I tried to watch it last night and Dockage was doing the, one of the games. You know, I like Dockage mm-hmm. and Frischilla was doing the game at TCU. And so I, I was into it at least, but it's just not the same. It kind of feels like, I don't know, it's not exhibition, but it, it doesn't matter. You got the rule changes. You got the yeah, international three point line. That? You know, the one rule change that I like is the five fouls in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You get five fouls. You're, there's no one and one. You're shooting two and then it resets. For the final 10 minutes, so 20-minute half, first 10 minutes, if you get five fouls, the sixth foul, you're shooting two fouls, you're shooting two free throws. You get to the 10-minute mark, and it resets at zero. You know it would be a lot easier? I like it. I like that, too. Do away with halves. I mean, college men's college basketball, mm-hmm. high school basketball, you play quarters. Mm-hmm. Women's college basketball, you play quarters. Mm-hmm. International basketball, you play quarters. Mm-hmm. And the NBA, you of do. course, you play quarters. Right. Just go to... Keep it at 20 minutes. That's fine. 
typical for 10-minute quarters. Doesn't that make more sense? I and then with that, that rule change of that, that impact, then you just do it that way. You don't have to reset after 10 minutes. It's just a new quarter. And the five files, and, that, and that's the same thing you see in the NBA and the way have it set up there. I do like the one-on-one, though. I, I, would, I would miss the one-on-one. Would you? Yeah, because it, it adds a, another element who to foul, when to foul. Mm-hmm. You know, you're down seven. Who with, is critical? With 145 left. Hey, let's extend this thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets the ball that we're, we're happy shooting free throws and put them there, and you got to make it. you got to earn that second free throw. I would miss that element of it, though. Uh, I, I can see your point. I can see your point. Um, but it's, ex- it's experimental at this point. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the uh, three-point line has moved uh, out another, what is it? It looks like about a foot. Yep. About a foot. Uh... This is a test message. Test tornado warning for all of Iowa for severe weather awareness week tornado drill. This is a test message. Until 10.35 a.m. This is a test message. No severe weather is occurring or expected. This test tornado warning initiates the warning phase of the severe weather awareness week tornado drill. Repeating, this is only a drill. All schools, businesses, Hospitals, other institutions or people at home should treat this drill as if it were a real emergency and practice your severe weather emergency plans. Expected hazards include tornado drill. Source, this is Severe Weather Awareness Week. The following impacts are expected. Practice your severe weather plan. This is a test message. All locations in Iowa should practice their severe weather emergency plans. Practice your severe weather emergency plans. Repeating, a tornado warning has been issued until 10.35 a.m. for the following counties in Iowa, Adair, Adams, Appanoose, Audubon, Black Hawk, Boone, Bremer, Butler, Calhoun, Carroll, Cerro Gordo, Clark, Crawford, Dallas, Davis, Decatur, Emmett, Franklin, Green, Grundy, Guthrie, Hamilton, Hancock, Harding, Humboldt, Jasper, Kosuth, Lucas, Madison, Mayaska, Marion, Marshall, Monroe, Palo Alto, Pocahontas, Polk, Palashik, Ringgold, Sack, Story, Tama, Taylor, Union. Something happened. He was well, suspended from the team right. for months. And all the coaches, Trent, I mean, Ferentz went out of his way to say, not just me, that I'm satisfied with what he's doing. Everybody that he talks to, mm-hmm. he is a model uh, student-athlete. So, uh, good, because you just mentioned the, the, the depth yes. uh, problems that they'll have there. And if he's anywhere near what we th- here he can be, uh, maybe he can solve that problem. Alex Halstead coming up next. We will take a timeout. Alex joins us next. This is a TV thing, too. Did you see the TV monitor? Here? I didn't, know. 
Look at it. It's an emergency alert tornado oh, wow. warning system. So it's not only just on radio, it's everywhere. We'll take a time out. Alex Halstead joins the program next. Uh, David Kaplan brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We'll do Cubs with Cappy at about 1045 in the 11 o'clock hour. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will be here. Uh, he was in Columbus. Uh, we'll pick his brain on that weekend that happened there and also do some uh, spring football with Bill, some college football with Bill. He joins us every week during the college football season. Our show is better for it. Mark Morehouse, 1135. Trent and I back after this. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hugs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Funny, I was listening to this driving in this morning. I know this is one of your favorites. I've heard you hum it a time or two. Who is this, Trent? The Killers. The Killers. Yes. Any reason for this bump? Not, not at all. Uh, let's get Alex Halstead in here, CycloneAlert.com. It was a busy day in Ames yesterday. Alex recaps it with us. Alex, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Alex Halstead. How are you? I'm doing good. You're right. Yeah, yesterday was busy. I, I went up to Ames thinking it was going to be a long day with uh, Pro Day at 9 a.m., and football practice was going to get over around 5:45, and that was pretty jam-packed day as it was and then uh more got added to the plate throughout the day so one of the busier iowa state days in, in quite some time yeah no doubt about it well let's do basketball first before we get into football i'm anxious to pick your brain on that and you know the prom thing we could uh, we could see that coming but and cam lard we could too it's just uh not necessarily going to happen as quick as it did you know my question to you uh pursuant to lard is is we we've seen the NCAA seemingly um, at least make it for some guys. I mean, Fields leaves Georgia, boom, he's eligible right away at Ohio State. Martell sees the writing out the wall at Ohio State. He leaves, goes to Miami, boom, he's instantly eligible. What about the um, the, the you know the rule that you used to have to sit out a year? There's no getting around it. If you're going to transfer, you're going to sit. Lard may be able to play as early as next year. I mean, if it's good for football, they have to do the same thing basketball-wise, right? Yeah, and you know, the hardship waiver, or whatever they're calling it, is, is becoming more prevalent. Like you said, with Tate Martell and Justin Fields being two high-profile examples, obviously big quarterbacks going to big programs, I think that's going to probably trickle down into basketball. I think we saw it trickle into basketball last fall when probably more guys than ever before were ruled immediately eligible. And that is a situation that Lard would need because – it's kind of a, a tough situation for him. Obviously, he got to Iowa State and he redshirted that first year, so his redshirt's gone. Then he played the last two years, and so his really only situation is either you know to go somewhere and get immediate eligibility and have two years of eligibility, or if he doesn't get it immediately, you know, a hardship waiver, he's got to sit one to play one because he's already used that redshirt. So if he sits, he's just wasting a year because right. of that redshirt. So. So he's kind of in a, in a difficult situation there, but I think the one thing uh, maybe not to assume quite yet is that he's going to go to another college. I think Iowa State's um, press release was probably 
pretty well worded. I'm not sure they used the word transfer. They said, you know, Cameron Lard is leaving the basketball program. Uh, we talked to him because he was, you know, actually walking out of the compliance office. He said the same thing. He's choosing to leave Iowa State. Um, whether he transfers or not is still kind of a question. I think there's some people who think that before he decides to transfer, um, meaning pick another school, he could pursue professional opportunities. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be the NBA, but um, you never know anymore what what kids might be willing to do, whether that's the G League or going overseas. And so I think all options are on the table for him, but if he does end up at a school, meaning transfer, and he is in the NCAA's transfer portal, then he um, is going to have to go through a waiver process or sit out a year. You know, speaking of that waiver process, I think uh, as you look around, he'd have a pretty strong case if he went somewhere closer to home, somewhere maybe with a little more stability to where he grew up just because of what he went through last summer with the wellness program and saying, this is what I need. I need to be closer to my family. I think, and you look at some of the flimsy cases that are out there, this is actually would be pretty strong to be eligible right away next year as long as he goes close to family, close to home. Yeah, I would think he would have a case mm-hmm. just going off precedent of how easily the NCAA is giving them out now. He could use the close to home. I think they, you could probably also you know, use the fact that maybe he didn't really want to go into it yesterday, but obviously you know, both sides didn't see eye-to-eye towards the end there. I mean, there were always different issues. I think he could probably use different things to document a case to try to get immediately eligible just, just with what we know has happened recently. Now, if the NCAA hadn't really set this precedent where guys were getting that waiver, um, maybe it would be a bit harder, but I just think it, it's just becoming a lot easier to do. And uh, the close to home and, and that other factor, I think, probably both help his case if he does go back down south, which I would I would assume. And uh, the the interesting thing for him is, you know, we saw it with Mario Sayak a few years ago. Schools are, are a lot less willing, it seems like, to take a chance on uh, a play one to sit or sit one to play one. You know, they they'll take a sit sit one to play two guy. It seems a little bit more more freely. You know, it seems like the market's not as big on mm-hmm. you know a guy that has to sit out one year just to play one year. But if a school thinks they can get him for two years and get him eligible immediately, you know, he should have a market as long as they, you know, go through and, and kind of vet everything that happened at Iowa State. Alex Halstead is our guest. Cycle and alert. Well, let's uh, do it in the order of your day. Then let's go back to early. Uh, the pro day was first thing in the morning yesterday, and boy, by the sounds of things, David Montgomery helped himself by getting in the four fives, and he accomplished that. Akeem Butler was, you know, what he did, did what he normally does. But the biggest news that came out of the day for me yesterday, Alex, was uh, Brian Peavy, who tore his pec in fall camp and decided to play the entire season uh, with the torn pectoral muscle uh, instead of sitting out, with, which would have cost him his senior season last year. Uh, that was uh, that was news. Yeah, so you know, I'd heard that he had been playing through an injury, and you know, we we heard actually. I think Campbell kind of uh, alluded to it right before the bowl game. He said that something to the effect of, you know, when Brian can tell his story, it will be a pretty powerful one. And that was before the bowl game, so neither PV nor Campbell wanted to talk about what the injury was, but they both alluded to him playing through some stuff throughout the year. And I think you know, there were there have been rumblings as far back as fall camp. And I think if you kind of looked closely late in the season. Um, and maybe it was earlier in the season, but I really noticed it towards the midway point was he was wearing a brace on his shoulder every game and sometimes favoring it. So, um, you know, yeah, he did, he did play through a, a torn pec muscle um, for the entire season. He tore it in fall camp. And at the time that he tore it in fall camp, he was missing time. They sat him down. They said, hey, you know, we can have surgery. If you have surgery, you're probably done for the season. If, if he doesn't have surgery, he could try to play through it. Um, he decided not to have surgery, played through it for the entire season, and um, 
you know, it could have affected his pro career to a degree. I think he wanted to put more film out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, it's kind of crazy to, to think he played through that when, you know, this is a guy that just a year prior um, had decided to come back to Iowa State instead of going to the NFL draft. And I think that's probably a good thing for NFL teams to know that, you know, got, have a guy like that. But um, it's going to be interesting to see now where he lands on some of those NBA radars. What about Willie Harvey? What about Willie Harvey? Another guy that, much like PV, didn't get the invite to the combine, but feels like probably a, has a chance to be a draftable guy. How would, how did his day go yesterday? Well, we didn't get any like official results this year, other than uh, David Montgomery's forty, and I suspect they put that out because everybody wanted, everyone was kind of interested in that one. I think it was obviously a positive for him, a, a four five seven for Montgomery, which, uh, as Ken mentioned. Is now below that 4.6 threshold, which I think a lot of people wanted to see him get below. Um, Harvey didn't seem like he ran well. Um, that was kind of the buzz is that he maybe did perform um, as I think he expected. Um, it's hard to say what's going to happen with I, I, I think he probably is not going to get drafted, but he's always kind of been a guy that's been the undrafted free agent type. Um, and so I think both him and PV, you know, if they don't get drafted in those six, seventh rounds, will both get undrafted free agent deals. And then I think it's a matter of what they do at camp, but. You know, PV seems to be in a much better position, I think, than Harvey. Even though Harvey, I think, going into the day was kind of the other guy that was like, you know, what can he do running to 40 and what can he do showing, you know, softer teams. I mean, he was walking around with, um, without a shirt, and it's not like the DK Metcalf pictures, but, you know, he has an NFL-type body. He does. Yep. It's, just, it's just a matter of, you know, are the other pieces there because he's a bit undersized to play linebacker in the NFL, um, but he's maybe not quick enough to be that, that safety type. So... Uh, he's kind of in a difficult spot, but I think he'll get a chance probably, at the very least, as an undrafted free agent, even if yesterday didn't go as well as he wanted it to. Hmm. Speaking of linebackers, boy, this guy's got a linebacker name, and I know he's getting an opportunity to take Willie Harvey's place. And I hope I'm saving it, saying it right. Pulvermacher. That <laughs> sounds like a linebacker name. Yeah, yeah it is a linebacker name, and uh, you know, kind of the, the hard-nosed type player in the sense that this is a kid that Iowa State flipped late in the 2018 recruiting class from North Dakota State. And, you know, they flipped him from North Dakota State, and he emerged, you know, pretty quickly in fall camp. Now, he didn't do what Mike Rose did and come in and start 13 games, but he, you know, caught their attention in a similar way, and they ended up playing him, I think, all four of the games that he could play in, including the the bowl game. And that was mostly special teams, but he did emerge. And um, he's one of the guys that's in that picture now for that outside linebacker spot. Yesterday, we did get to watch two hours of practice, and uh, at that spot, there was a portion – when they had a number one defense out there, and it was Chandler Pulvermacher. And then there was a portion when they went offense versus defense, and the number one linebacker was Will McDonald, who obviously mm. last year was a defensive end. So those are two guys that we saw out there. Uh, Jake Hummel from Dowling um, was sick with the flu yesterday, so he wasn't out there, but I suspect he's going to be in that mix as well. So they've got three or four guys that are going to battle to replace Willie Harvey um, and Pulvermacher and Will McDonald seemed to get the first shot yesterday. Brock Purdy was so good a year ago after he took the quarterback spot going into his sophomore year. What are some of the things that, that Matt Campbell and the offensive staff going to be working with him and to improve upon, which was just a great start to his career? Yeah, that's what's a bit crazy thinking about it now is, you know, this is his first spring ball. You know, when they did everything last year, <laughs> right. he was kind of being thrown in there on the fly. Yeah, he had went through, you know, fall camp, but they hadn't got to, you know, kind of put him through the paces in spring where you're kind of building a system around him. And that's not what they're doing really for the first time is they're building this offense around his strengths. And I think they found out what some of those strengths are um, last season. And so the biggest thing from Campbell, and it's probably a little bit cliche, but Campbell wants him to kind of become that vocal leader. And 
Um, you know, he's got to be the guy that commands the offense now. I think last year he stepped in, and obviously had David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler that were kind of the guys that you know made things click there. But now it's got to be Brock Purdy, and I think even going back to the Alamo Bowl when uh, Mike Leeds, who obviously has been great with offenses and quarterbacks, and he was talking about Gardner Minshew, he said that's kind of the difference between you know taking a big step at the college level as a quarterback is being able to command the offense and being able to be the guy that people look at. And um, it's hard to quantify that, but that's what Matt Campbell talked about yesterday, is that he's got to be the guy that maybe commands that locker room, even though he's only going to be a sophomore. Uh, Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, is our guest, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. A couple more minutes, we'll, we'll let you go. The running back position, uh, the battle in fall camp is going to be one to watch, one of maybe the uh, the biggest decisions still to come. Nwongo, uh seems to be the heir apparent. I know Johnny Lang has uh, had some difficulties. Uh, he's just making his way back from injury, I believe what I saw. So help us out with the running back position. Is Nwongo the leader at this point? Yeah, I think he is, and you know we kind of saw that towards the end of last season. He, he ended up starting the Texas game when Montgomery sat at the first half because he was suspended from that Baylor incident. And so Nwangu was their second-leading rusher last year, even though that didn't mean much numbers-wise. But when they sent the first offense out there yesterday, he was the guy. Uh, when they sent the second offense out there, it was Sheldon Crony. And then you mentioned Johnny Lang. Uh, had some clean-up surgery, but they think he'll be full go within the week. So those three guys are there. Brees Hall was there yesterday. Um, he's an intriguing four-star prospect in, but you know, yesterday was his second practice. And Jairo Brock was joining that group in, in, some, in, in the summer. So, yes, Kanae Nwongu was the number one guy yesterday, but I think you mentioned it right that this thing's going to probably linger through fall camp, and that's going to include adding more bodies this summer. Expectations seem pretty big. As we work our way through here, spring practice, and get in the summertime, I know it'll be a big conversation piece. As a whole, is an improvement over the last two years and maybe a trip to the Big 12 championship game. Do you think that's almost the baseline for fan expectations going into 2019? Yeah, you know, I don't know what the expectation is win-wise, but I think you know around that eight-win mark continues to probably be that expectation. And if you can be hovering around that or better towards the end of the season, you know, especially next year where they're going to have both Oklahoma and Texas in back-to-back weeks in November, which mm. is have a lot on the line if you do that, mm-hmm. then I think you're playing for a right to be in the Big 12 championship game. And so I think that is probably the baseline expectation. I think they return almost everything defensively. They're, they return every start on the defensive line. It was the same starting group yesterday at practice that we saw uh, in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, they return like 140 starts, 140-plus starts in the offensive line. Those five starters that, that they showed in the first practice yesterday that we saw um, were, the, were the five starters who started their last 11 games last year, including the Alamo Bowl. So the two areas, the trenches, you know, those are – those are experienced groups, and they return a lot on the defense. So there are big pieces they have to replace with Montgomery and Butler, but I think they, they feel like they bring a lot back as well, and I think that puts them in a position to, you know, some people think that they're kind of the number three team right now in the Big 12, but it seems like that middle could get you know pretty mm-hmm. interesting with Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State and others. Yeah, it seems like it's jammed. I agree with you. Last thing, Alex Hall said, CycloneAlert.com. I want to go back to Cam Lard just because, help me out with the quote where he's, and I'm paraphrasing Alex, he wanted to get back to being the old Cam playing. What, what, what did he mean by that, and what prevented him from being Cam this year? Yeah, so you know, he was asked you know, why he was, you know, what, what came to this decision, and he said yesterday he had met with Steve Prohm, and they decided that this was probably the best thing for him and then he went on to say that you know the reason it was the best for him you know the fresh start was best for him was because he wants to get back to being the old cam and it was asked as a follow-up question what does that mean what is the old cam and he said playing wise and he said do you know what played into your you know 
playing time this year, and he said, I don't know, no comment. So, mm. you know, there's obviously a lot, lot to unpack there, but he obviously was not happy with his playing time, and I think that's a big part of this decision is um, he wants to go somewhere with a fresh start where, you know, whatever played into that playing time um, maybe is kind of seen through a new, through a new view. Interesting. CycloneAlert.com, Alex Halstead. Alex, thank you for what you do for us. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. You Hawkeye fans, you're an hour away from hearing Mark Morehouse's. He will opine on uh, Ference's press conference from yesterday and Pro Day earlier in the week as well. Miller and Condon have David Kaplan next. He joins us. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Ash Urbandale. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. On a Wednesday, we do it each and every Wednesday. Well, for the most part, 48 out of 52. Sometimes Cap has to bump to Thursday. But this week, uh, we get him right on schedule. Let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some tournament. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. He's David Kaplan. Cap, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Cap. How are you? What's up, boys? How we doing today? Doing well. You know, let's start first with the tournament. Uh, you know, the first four days in the book. Your biggest takeaway, Cap, from the first four days of the tournament was what? No Cinderella is still alive in the Sweet 16, and it doesn't bother me. You know, it's cool when Loyola does it. I guess I was a little jaded on that because I'm friends with their coach and their local team. But I don't need to see George Mason or whoever it is make a run to the Final Four. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm cool with all the best teams meeting, like watching Michigan State LSU, Virginia Tech Duke, Tennessee Purdue. Those are man's games. Yeah. Big time basketball. No question. Cap, I know that on Tuesday uh you had Tom Izzo on your show. You mentioned the the matchup, the LSU uh Michigan matchup. Boy, that thing's got a chance to be just uh, Michigan State rather t- terrific matchup. Michigan State LSU Cap, you talked to Izzo Tuesday. What did he tell you? Well, Tom is he's still laughing that people thought it was a big deal that he yelled at his player. <laughs> still? You got to be kidding me. But he, you know, that's the way the world is today, and he admits that. He said, you know, that's just the way it happens in social media, that you take things and you take a snippet and you go, oh, my God, that coach is going to hit his player, or, my God, that coach was yelling at his player. First of all, I don't know why people get so worked up over things that don't involve them. It does not involve them. That kid had no problem with it. The kid's parents had no problem with it. And Tom said on our show, his dad is tougher on him than I am. People think I'm out of my mind. So, look, that's what you get when you go to Michigan State. You get coached hard. You get a coach who you have a lifetime relationship with. And you saw, after all the commotion about this, this national emergency that Tom Izzo yelled at his player, that all his former players came out and said, oh, my God, are you guys crazy? We love playing for that guy, and that's how we develop, and that's how we become great players. Cap, as you saw the the fever that came out and the people that were just coming out of the woodwork to go after Izzo and then the defense that you saw, coaching has changed so much. And going back to when you were a coach you know, at the college level, is there just certain guys that no longer could do it. I mean, everybody jumps to Bobby Knight. That's an extreme, extreme example. But when you look back and when you were in the coaching ranks, 
How many of those guys couldn't coach in today's environment? Oh, a lot of them. They couldn't. First of all, they would never know how to handle the social media age mm. and just all that goes into it. It's just different. You know, when I was coaching, you would show up and you would go to a high school to see Ken Miller play. And then all the assistant coaches or head coaches that were there would be used to they'd be used to waiting in line and here comes the head coach out after his game and one after another he would spend a few minutes talking to each school and you'd let him know you were there and that's how it was done. Now it's well who is their street agent? Who's their <laughs> AAU coach? Who's the person in their life that's going to make this decision? Like, it's so different. I, I got used to it because I became an AAU coach, so I understood that whole culture. But a lot of guys that I coached around that are out of the game now, they had no clue how you handle today's kids. Yet on top of it, a lot of kids don't want to be yelled at. Now, if you go to Michigan State, you've got to know what you're getting yourself in for. Tom's going to coach you, and he's going to coach you hard. But he's also going to give you a lifetime of love, and that relationship that he's built with his players speaks for itself. Cap, who did you end up selecting to win it to cut down the nets? And then after you saw the first weekend, who would you like to have selected, or would you would you have maintained? I know you like North Carolina, but I thought I saw that you switched late to Virginia. Who did you pick, and who do you who would you like to pick if you could do it all over again? So I did pick Virginia. If I could go back and switch again. I'd either stay with Virginia or I would pick North Carolina. One of those two. Now, you know, if you said, well, you could take a long shot and that's the only way I'm going to win my pool, that's a different story. I would have to figure something out out about that. But I'm talking about just who I think is going to win. I would probably stick with Virginia. Might switch to North Carolina. Let's talk a little baseball. We'll get to the White Sox, but the Cubs move the needle. It's different this year. A, they're starting on the road, which is fine, but they're starting in the American League. Um, I don't know. How's that gone over, Cap? That the fact that you won't see, uh, you know, a team out of the Central Division in the National League, you'll see them in, in the, at the end of the week when they travel to Milwaukee before coming home for the home opener. But how's the fan base? They're just excited to see the Cubs regardless of who the opponent is, or is it weird? Yeah, I don't think it's weird. It doesn't bother me at all. They opened in 2016, the year they won the series. They opened with the Angels in California. I don't remember that. Okay. So it doesn't really bother me at all. Um, the novelty of interleague play has worn off some, but I still enjoy those games. I just think of it now like in the NFL. Oh, they're playing the Raiders this week. Oh, they got the Packers next week. Oh, they're going back to play the Ravens. Whoever it is, it doesn't really bother me. I just want to go watch Cubs baseball, and I'm excited. We had Anthony Rizzo on on Tuesday, and I'm excited to see that this team's vibe looks good. They had so much negativity in the offseason. I feel like if they get blessed with pretty good health, this team has a chance to be really, really good. It'll be the earliest start in Major League Baseball history coming up tomorrow, the Thursday kickoff with 15 games to begin this season. They've added, they moved up the schedule a little bit, the other part of this, though, is, of course, the weather delays. It's You get three or four extra days over the course of 162 for rest for these guys, but most of them may be eaten up because of rain and possibly snow. That's going to be happening here as we play in March. Do you like the early start, Cap? Yeah, I do because, I, I you know, 
hoping that the team that I cover is in the playoffs, I have to deal with all that cold weather at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get. We're not going to play at home until April eighth. I'm hoping that the weather turns a little bit by that point. I think we're going to get a couple sixty degrees this week. A little bit chillier over the weekend, and then hopefully another week later things will be okay. But I would like to see playoff baseball start just a little bit earlier so that we're not playing in November. Hmm. Cap, we, uh, Trent and I, both subscribers to The Athletic, I know you are as well. We all sing its praises. Boy, this was a great piece that came out on two Monday night, I think it was. Attention will be paid inside the detail-laden plan for the Cubs to get their edge back. Uh, Mooney and Sharma wrote the piece. I was fascinated by it. I thought it was a terrific read. They both realized that there's, I think everybody realizes there's pressure on Joe Madden to deliver this year. He went to the veterans, the management uh, Theo and the trio went to the management after the season last year, asked, what could we change? We were thinking about doing it this way. Are you guys all on board? Cap, there seems to be uh, more of a, uh, of an effort being put into getting the Cubs back and doing some of the little things. I really enjoyed the piece. Your thoughts? I love the piece. I give them a lot of credit for everything they were able to nail down there because I think some of the players are – you know, now saying, yeah, I don't really want to get into details, but the details are pretty much out there. I think they lost their edge, and I think they became complacent the wrong word because I think these guys compete every day. But like Rizzo said to us today, uh, I talked to him on the phone before you called, and he says, Cap, listen to me. We're not going to panic over a loss in April, mm-hmm. but are we going to have a little more structure? Yes. But it's not going to be because I remember walking into the locker room a couple of years ago, and they had struggled. And I walked in, and he goes, "Cap, kid, listen to me. Calm down. I heard you on the post game. Don't have to go crazy. It's April, whatever. Relax." Well, that mantra is not going to be something that they trumpet, but they're also not going to be like it's one game of 16 in an NFL season. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo going with a little Aaron Rodgers there with the relax. Uh, <laughs> that might yeah, rankle some exactly. people in Chicago the long way. Hey, hey Cap, I, it, it came as a surprise to me. I know Ian Happ had been struggling, but as a 24-year-old that has had sex, success, a year ago he opened up the baseball season with a homer against Miami. Yet here he is. He's going to be starting, uh, well, right up the street from where we are right now with the Des Moines and the I-Cubs. How big of a surprise was that for you? And how concerning maybe going forward with the slow spring that he's had? Um, I wouldn't say it's concerning. I mean, Mike Trout was sent back twice. Rizzo was mm-hmm. sent back. So it's very rare that you are Chris Bryant. You come to the big leagues and you win the rookie of the year and then you win the MVP. And that's just one in a million. It just doesn't happen that way. So he needs to be better. Uh, Rizzo said on our show yesterday that he felt like he's one of his best friends. He said, I've gotten so close to this guy. He said, but I'm not shocked because nothing shocks me in baseball. And he knows he's got to be better. He said, he's got to go out and be better. So we'll uh, see how this all develops. If he's who I think he is, which is a intense competitor, he's pissed. He is going to get down there and have a couple of days of woe is me, mm-hmm. and then he's going to push that past him and go out, all right, I'm going to go out and kick you-know-what 
and I'll be right back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. White Sox in a moment, Cap, and then we'll let you go. Uh, you Darvish is going to start Game 2 of the Texas Series. I was surprised that they moved him up that high in the rotation. Was that simply to allow him to pitch, uh, pitch against a team that he pitched for in a building, in a, in a ballpark that he pitched in? Uh, I think that may be part of it, but he's also thrown the ball exceptionally That's well. true. He's really had a good spring, and I think they want to reward that, that, hey, guy went through surgery, he went through his rehab the right way, he came to camp big, strong, tough, physical, he's tried to do everything the right way, but guess what? We are going to reward him, and he's going to pitch game. Mm. White Sox cap, um, this is, I guess, for their fans, you know, one more year of rebuild maybe, and then next year some expectations, some hope, or where are White Sox fans on the cusp of the season? I think you're, that's exactly right. This year, I don't think they're going to be a 60-win team. I think they're going to win 72, 3, 4, 5, something like that. They're going to get better. They're going to show some progress, but they're going to be ultimately just a little bit short. And I think next year is where you can start to say, hey, maybe they can get a wild card or surprise in the division. We'll see. What about Jose Abreu, a guy that burst on the scene, very consistent over those first four years, Dip in production-wise, and when you look at long-ranging, what this White Sox team can be three, four, five years down the line, Jose Abreu could be be a trade candidate when we get to July? I would be surprised because he's such a big part of the culture in that room. Mm-hmm. They do have a very large Latin presence on that team, and so I think I'd be very surprised unless someone paid an exorbitant price. I, sure. I don't see him getting traded. Uh, Cap, last thing for you. Uh, it's not a surprise, but it was made official early in the week that the Bears and the Packers will open the NFL season. Uh, no surprise, uh, the biggest rivalry, the 199th time they're going to play it as they kick off an historic 100th season at Soldier Field. Guessing that announcement went over very popular in Chicago. Yeah, people are excited. They're a little surprised by the early point spread. I actually was not surprised. What is it, Four. Yeah, and you're not going to give Aaron Rodgers a touchdown. No, it's no. not going to happen. So it's all about getting enough money on both sides. There'll be people that are taking Aaron right now plus the four. There'll be a bunch pound in the Bears. It might move up to five, but we'll see. It's a long way away. Got to stay healthy. Indeed, Cap, you're a pro. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. You guys, too, have a great day. Thank you. David Kaplan joining us from Chicago, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago, and he's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa offers a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. You can check them out online, Centurion Stone of Iowa. Or better yet, visit the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa.